0: Um and we'll begin in verse number one. Brother J R, could you get me a bottle of water? I'd be very, very thankful, I'd be very thankful for that. Isaiah forty four verse one. The Bible says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, uh, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou uh Jesurin, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offering. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Go back to verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. I'll turn over to John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse number 37. The Bible says there, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spirit or but but this uh, he of the spirit, which they uh, that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given uh, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. We finished up looking at the three meanings of the word paraclete. Jesus called our paraclete. Uh, the next three weeks, weeks we're going to look at symbols that uh, uh, that or things that symbolize the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Tonight, the title of the sermon is "Staying Spiritually Hydrated." Staying spiritually hydrated. A subtitle could be "The Holy Spirit symbolized by water." Symbolized by water. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, Lord. As we look at uh, this uh, uh, topic of the Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, it it's. The Holy Spirit is God, and Lord, you, you're inexhaustible in our studying of you. We, we can't dive deep enough to fully grasp and understand how awesome you are. And Lord, as we make a feeble attempt again tonight at understanding this, I, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, work from within and convict us and help us yet again to see another reason why you should be in charge and have control. And Lord, thank you for what we'll learn. Thank you for the benefits that you want to provide. May we take advantage of them in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Have you ever been thirsty? I don't mean just like, you know, I'd like to go to the refrigerator and get a drink of water. I mean thirsty, parched. Your mouth was uh, cotton-mouthed. You all familiar with the phrase cotton-mouthed? I had someone say to me one time, my mouth is so dry, I think I could spit out sweaters. Um, I mean, so thirsty to the place where your tongue begins to swell and your lips begin to crack. You ever been that thirsty where you just didn't have water or maybe you weren't drinking enough water? Maybe you were drinking too much coffee and not enough water. Nobody here is guilty of that, are they? Any coffee drinkers? How many of you have, uh, should have already bought stock in Dunkin' or Starbucks as much as you're there? All right. Um, by the way, McDonald's coffee is cheaper, and it tastes good. All right? And uh, I got a check from McDonald's to say that, so I had to get that in there somewhere tonight. Um, driving up from Beersheba, a combined force of British, Australian, and New Zealanders were pressing on the rear of the Turkish retreat over arid desert. The attack outdistanced its water-carrying camel train. Water bottles were empty. The sun blazed pitlessly out of a sky where the vultures wheeled expectantly. Our heads ached, writes Gilbert, and our eyes became bloodshot and dim in the blinding glare. Our tongues began to swell. Our lips turned a purplish black and burst. Those who dropped out of the column were never seen again, but the desperate force battled on to Sharia. Uh, There were wells at Sharia, and uh, had they been unable to take the place by nightfall, thousands were doomed to die of thirst. We fought that day, writes Gilbert, as men fight for their lives. We entered Sharia Station on the heels of the retreating Turks, the first objects. Uh, the first objects were met, uh, uh, which met our view were the great stone cisterns full of cold, clear, drinking water. In the still night air, uh, the sound of water running into the tanks could be distantly heard, maddening in its nearness, yet not a man murmured when orders were given for the bata- battalion to fall in. Too deep, facing the cisterns. He then described the stern priorities, the wounded, those on guard duty, Then company by company, it took four hours before the last man had his drink of water. And all that time they had been standing 20 feet from a low stone wall on the other side of which were thousands of gallons of water. Thousands of gallons of water. They waited their turn. They got their water and they were saved. So it was prior to the coming and indwelling of the Holy Ghost Uh, They were uh, uh, wandering through uh, the desert of the law... And the law had told them that they were to do right. The law had explained to them what was right and wrong, but the law had not empowered them to do right. All that the law did was act as a teacher to say, here are the rules and you are to keep them. But the law that was given by God through the pen of Moses was unable to get these people to actually do what was right. And so through their disobedience and through their inability to keep the law, the Israelites, we find in Isaiah 44, were a broken and dry people spiritually. Jesus promised in Isaiah 44 that the water of the Holy Spirit would be poured out on those who were thirsty. It would be poured out On dry ground. What was he talking about when he said that he would give water to those who were thirsty? He would pour out on the dry ground. He was talking about the Holy Spirit being poured onto the believers, being poured into the believers so that they could have the power to not only know the difference between right and wrong, but have the power to uh, fulfill that which was right and wrong and live that which is right and wrong. Let me tell you, today you and I know what's right and wrong just like they did in the Old Testament. The difference is is that you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, symbolized by water, and this Holy Spirit of God not only instructs you to do right, He empowers you to go forward and do it. The question isn't, do you have the Holy Spirit to help you? The question is, are you allowing Him to help you? And that is so key. I propose that many Christians are wandering through life spiritually dehydrated. Spiritually dehydrated. Um, they are exhibiting all the signs of it. When the human body does not get the volume of water that, that it needs, um, it begins to do things to cry out for water, right? Uh, how many of you ever been dehydrated while you were going on a long run? What pain do you get? Right here, right? Your side starts to hurt. And uh, I remember my PE uh, teacher saying, Push through it, Lejeune. Push through it! And you just keep running, and after a while, that would go away. And you see these uh, these uh, people who run marathons, they'll stop along the way and grab up a bottle of water or a cup of water off the table, and they just keep drinking while they're running. Why? Because it's so important that we drink. And if we don't get enough water, our body starts to cry out for it. And what are the signs of dehydration? Anybody here tonight in the medical field or have any first aid training know a little bit about these kind of things? Okay, what are the signs of dehydration? Well, I don't know. But I looked it up. Because that's the, the, we live in the information age, don't we? All right? Uh, and I'll, I'll just give you a few of them. There's more. But I'll give you a few of them. Increased thirst. Right now, after leading all that singing, I am thirsty. All right. My body was telling me to drink water. I obeyed. Okay? You don't want a dehydrated preacher up here preaching at you, do you? Increased thirst. A dry mouth. Uh, if you are... Uh, severely dehydrated You will get tired or sleepy Another uh, symptom is that You will get a headache uh, Your skin will start to dry out If you live dehydrated And if in severe cases You begin to experience dizziness Now what are these? These are the symptoms of being dehydrated The body being dehydrated But what about your spiritual body? What are the signs Of a spiritual body that is dehydrated. That is not getting the water of the Holy Spirit that it ought to get. Well, I wrote a few of them down. Irritation. Some of you in here, you're not in a very nice people. The slightest thing doesn't go your way and you turn into a monster. You know why? The Holy Spirit's not calling the shots in your life. You're spiritually dehydrated. Here's another one, conviction. You know, if I'm not drinking enough water, my body says, go drink water. I can't tell you how many times I have had my body tell me that because I had soda or coffee throughout the day. And so I'll walk over to my refrigerator and I'll get a cup and I'll put it under there. I'll fill it up and I'll take the first swig. And the next thing I know, I'm four cups down and my body is screaming from the inside. Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody else ever had that happen? Um, conviction is that same voice on the inside saying, "Hey, don't forget about me in here. Isaiah 43, uh, we won't uh, turn to look at it tonight, but there's a phrase in Isaiah 43, one chapter up from where we started, that says, "Thou hast made me to serve with thy sins." That's what the Holy Spirit's saying, is, "Hey, you keep dumping all of this sin on top of me." And I'm convicting you because I want to be in charge. Here's another uh, symptom that we're spiritually dehydrated. Misery. Misery. Some of you just walk through life and you're just mean. Just mean. And you complain about everything and you're not nice. You know why? Holy Spirit's not really in charge and he's trying to get to be in charge and that's a symptom that you're spiritually dehydrated. Here's another one. An inability to get along with others. A bad attitude when corrected. Someone tries to correct you or point out something in your life that isn't just right and you blow up on them. That's a sign that you're spiritually dehydrated. Now, the human body cannot function without water. In fact, you can go 40 days and nights without food. The average human can go a good 40 days and nights without food, give or take. But the human body cannot go much longer than 7 days without a drink of water. You will die if you don't drink water or or, uh, substances that contain water. Why? Because the human body is made up of 60% water. About 60% of the human body is water. Now, how about the Christian life? The spiritual body. The spiritual life, the Christian life, lived successfully is, listen to this, 100% made up of the Holy Spirit. You, please don't miss this, you cannot be a good Christian if the Holy Spirit is not in charge. You understand that? You can fake like you're a good Christian. For a whole lot of my Christian life, I have played the game of pretending to be a good Christian while being spiritually dehydrated. The Holy Spirit was not in charge. Statistically speaking, there's a good chunk of you in here tonight that are playing that same game right now. Yeah, you come to church and you know how to dress the part, talk the part, look the part. You know how to smile and shake your head. You know how to clap after a special. You know how to come to the altar and kneel and look, all those things are good. I'm not putting any of that down. I think all that's important. But is it just a show? Or is the Holy Spirit really in charge? You see, Christians are really good at getting other Christians to accept them. And when other Christians accept us, well, then all of a sudden I've met the mark. My friend, getting you to accept me is not the mark of spiritual success. Whether or not God accepts the spiritual life that I'm trying to live, that is the mark that I'm to try and meet. Whether or not Ben or Tim or George or Mark or David approve of the way I live my Christian life, that does not matter with God because they can't see past the flesh. But God looks down into my heart and He knows whether or not the Holy Spirit's in charge. Tonight, I'm just here to say it's time we quit playing games with God. It's time we quit pretending like the Holy Spirit's in charge, when deep down inside you know He's not. It's time we quit living a spiritual life of dehydration and we let the Holy Spirit hydrate us and we allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Let's jump in tonight and look at four parallels between water and the Holy Spirit as we consider this topic. Are you spiritually hydrated? Number one, notice water sanctifies or it cleanses. Water sanctifies or it cleanses. Turn over to First Peter chapter 1. Now, water is known as the universal solvent. You know what a solvent does, right? It takes away uh, all kinds of uh, dirt or all kinds of things that shouldn't be there. You've got solvents, and what's the, what's, the, what's the other? Solvents and some of you science people. Where's Maggie when I need her? Solvents, I looked at this earlier. Solvents and salutes. Solvents and salutes, salute, and the one takes the other away, all right? Water is that solvent that washes away. It cleanses. When I wash the dishes uh, for my wife, which I do about once, lately it's been once every three or four months, because my sister-in-law's in in town, so I've been washing the dishes a lot less lately, all right? I'm just being transparent tonight, all right? When my sister-in-law goes home, I'll probably step up and do the dishes a lot more. Thank you, Andrea. You're welcome to any time. Um, (laughs) But when I wash the dishes, I will turn on the water and I will take that plate that's got all that leftover food on it and I will use my hand and I will wipe the plate clean with my hand and about 90% of what was on that plate is gone and then I take the the soapy pad and I scrub the plate down further. The water does most of the work. The soap comes in and helps, but the water does much of the work. Now, the Bible tells us, that the Holy Spirit, like water, sanctifies or cleanses us. Look at verse Peter one twenty two. It says there, seeing ye have purified your souls. Purified, cleansed, sanctified. Purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit. And the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That ye love one another with a pure Heart, a pure heart. So we are to purify our soul, we're to have a pure heart, and we're to do that through the truth of the Spirit of God. Turn over to First Corinthians chapter six. 1 Corinthians six. Just like water cleanses and washes clean and and, and, and takes away uh, the dirt and, and, and the grime and and the grease and, and we use it to purify things. The Holy Spirit wants to Purify us and clean us up. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse number 9. It says, uh, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves of themselves and mankind, nor, uh, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. These are people that have not been forgiven of these sins. Look at um, uh, verse number 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by, by the Spirit of God. Who is it that washes us? Who is it that sanctifies us? Who is it that cleans us up once we leave the world of sin and we step into the world of righteousness? It is the Holy Spirit like a water that pours over the filthiness of our soul and begins to To clean us up. Turn over to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. We'll look at one more example of Scripture in this. But the Holy Spirit is symbolized by water. John 7 tells us. Isaiah 44 tells us. Even John 4, we'll look at in a few minutes, tells us. And He's water because water is used to clean things up. And the Holy Spirit is... Here to help sanctify us and clean us and have us look like the holy, like like uh, it made in the image and likeness of Jesus. Look at Ephesians five verse eighteen and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now all of the rest of the chapter involves. The process of how to be filled with the Spirit. 19 through 21 deals with a single person and uh, and married. And then verse 22 continues the thought on down for married people. And uh, uh, you married people have a great opportunity at being sanctified. Let me tell you something about being married, alright? Uh, I've, I've been married now for 11 years. And uh, let me tell you what being married does for me. Being married shows me how unsanctimonious I am. If I was single, I could make myself think I'm a lot better off than I am. But being married to another sinner helps show me the holes in my game and helps show my wife the holes in her game. And Bible compares being married to, uh, or a husband loving his wife to to an image of Christ loving the church. Christ loving the church. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse number 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, look here, with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. By the way, the uh, marriage of the church to Christ... That takes place in heaven. That's going to take place after the judgment seat. How do I know that? Because when we get raptured out of here, we're going to be spotted and wrinkled and blemished. And we get to heaven and God's going to put us through the judgment seat. He's going to try our works. He's going to burn up all the works that are no good. See 1 Corinthians 3. And then that will purify us and then he will prepare us to be the bride that is married to him uh, uh, spotless and, and and clean and pure and that sanctification process will be completed in heaven now look there again at verse number 26 it says that he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse it, the church with the washing of water, the washing of water by the word, I believe that uh, here Jesus uses two things to wash the church, he uses Is the word of God you can see Psalm 119 verse 9 wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word with my whole heart have I sought thee let me not wonder from thy commandments thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God how are we cleansed God is going to use Jesus is going to use the Bible the written word to cleanse us but I also believe that he'll use the Holy Spirit to cleanse us as well Water sanctifies or cleanses that which is filthy and dirty. And we come to God and we're saved and we have this filthy heart, this sin curse that we live under and these sin struggles that we have. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit's job is to begin to be poured over us like water that's washed and cleansed. i got to tell you, if, uh, if you could see the inside of me as sinful and filthy as I am under the sin curse, I would be like a plate that's been left out in the month puddle for uh, for years or maybe a plate that's covered in mold and filth and everything nasty you can imagine you say well how do you clean it you take it and you put it in the sink and you turn on the hot water and you just let that bad boy run and the longer that plate sits under that flowing water the lo- the, the, the the cleaner it gets and i got to tell you the more that you open up your heart to, to the lord and you let the holy spirit just pour all over you and the longer you stay in that process the cleaner and more sanctified you become the Holy Spirit is, is like water, symbolized by water in that He sanctifies or He cleanses. Number two, notice water satisfies the thirsty. It satisfies the thirsty. Back over in Isaiah chapter 44, I'd recommend that you hold your place there uh, for the remainder of the sermon. Isaiah 44 and verse number 3, the Bible says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Now, I love the image of this. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Uh, Pastor King, my pastor used to tell a story about when he was a boy living in a small town in Kentucky that, uh, he got a job cutting grass as a, as an 11 or 12 year old boy. The Kentucky heat, he'd get up in the summertime and he'd take that lawnmower out and if he didn't sleep in real late, he could, uh, get the lawn cut before high noon, before the sun was beating down on him. Nonetheless, it'd be hot. And, and one day he's standing there at the corner store, the money he'd gotten from cutting grass and bought himself a, a drink and Uh, there with his buddies, four or five other buddies, and they look up and across the street was the town water tower. And at that water tower, uh, they watched as a truck pulled in. And a man got out of the truck and he took a quarter out of his pocket and he put it in the slot and he pushed the button and a gush of water came just blasting out of the top of that truck and out of the top of that tower and filled up the bed of that truck and that farmer drove off with that water onto where he went to go. And they looked at each other and they ran over there and they reached in their pocket and they got a corner and, and he went in first and he put that in there and he pushed the button and he ran under there and that blast of water, whoo, right down on top of him. And that's the image I get when I think of this verse here. I read this verse here. It says, I will pour water upon the thirsty. He's not going to give you a bottle of water and say, here you go. No, he's going to pour it all over you. What happens when we submit to the Holy Spirit? He has poured all over. Over us. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Hold your place in Isaiah 44 and turn to John chapter 4 here. We find the story of Jesus... And his meeting with this woman at the well. This woman who's been married five times and living with a man that she's not married to. And this woman who's lost and there uh, in, in the middle of the day trying to avoid the scuttlebutt and the ridicule of those in town. And here she is and Jesus, a Hebrew man, is talking to this Samaritan woman. She's taken aback by that and he asks her for a drink of water. And the woman says... Uh, um, uh, uh, who are you? I perceive that you're a prophet. And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. I wouldn't be asking you for a drink. And she said, sir, how are you going to give me something to drink when you don't have anything to draw out of the well? And look at verse number 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drinketh of the water that I shall give him. Shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Back over in John chapter seven, John chapter seven, verse thirty seven, it says in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink i got to tell you that when you go and you live in the world and you live in sin and you choose to make uh, sinful choices or rather even secular choices or choices that maybe are amoral but void of God and, and, and allowing Him in that decision process, what you find is that you're spiritually dehydrated. You become spiritually thirsty. And God says when you get to that place of frustration, when you get to that place of irritation, when you get to that place of Conviction, You come to me and I will pour out my water upon you. You see, tonight we live in the era of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you're saved tonight, indwells you. The question isn't does He indwell you. The question is, is He controlling you? Have you submitted control over to Him? Because when you do, it's that well of living water that springs up, that springs up, uh, to everlasting life and provides to you a joy. Christian, tonight, let me ask you a question. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? How bad? do you want God, the Holy Spirit of God, to be in control of your life? How bad do you want the power found in Acts 2 where they went around the world and turned the world upside down with the Gospel of Jesus Christ? How hungry are you to have that power coming out of you and affecting every relationship that you have and every song that you sing in the choir, every lesson you teach, every door you knock on, every track you pass out, everything you do uh, to have God and the power of God working through you and 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 into the lives of others you see that we ought to be thirsty to have that and god says that if you are thirsty that the holy spirit will quench that thirst he will pour that water of the holy spirit all over you how much do you desire to be spiritually fit for god number three we see water softens water softens Go back over with me to Isaiah chapter 44, verse number 3. Let me give you letter A. Water softens the soil of the heart. The soil of the heart. The Bible says, therefore, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I think about the times in my Christian life where I have been the most carnal and cold it's been so desert-like that um, you could hear the winds howling across the desert sand. The, the, the ground of my heart was hardened. Put that first picture up there for me. This is a picture of the Alta Cama Desert in Chile. And for a desert to be a desert it's because it doesn't rain. Went out to California, Southern California some years ago, and what I saw we got Pastor Davis from Southern California, you'll know all about this. What I saw were yards that had irrigation systems, and I saw yards where people couldn't afford to have irrigation systems. Now, yards that had irrigation systems, they had green, lush grass. The yards that didn't have irrigation systems were brown and almost desert looking. And when you don't allow the water of the Holy Spirit to run all over you, this is what you become. Now, you can come to church and you can tuck your Bible under your arm. And you can come in and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad at it. Isn't it good when the brethren dwell together in unity? Amen and amen. And you can plop down on the pew, and you can shake your head up and down. But inside, you are as dusty and dry as that picture right there, as the Altacama Desert. Some years ago, there was a phenomenon that happened. A rainstorm moved through the Altacama Desert, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And what happened was that rain, that water, it softened up the dirt. And then the most beautiful thing happened. Go ahead. Flowers sprung up everywhere. Now, I don't know that that does it justice, but you can Google the Altacama Desert with flowers, and it is gorgeous. Go back to the first picture. Can you do that for me? Do you really want to look like that in the inside as a Christian, or would you rather look like like that? Now, imagine those flowers are blue, Okay. Holy Spirit of God, you let Him run all over you. Boy, it softens the soil of your heart. When was the last time you wept over a lost soul? When was the last time that you wept over your own sin? When was the last time that you saw a homeless person walking down the road with matted hair and old clothes? Your heart broke. I need to go get a job. And you need the Holy Spirit of God to break up the fallow soil of your hearts when you need. When was the last time that you saw racial tension on the TV screen or in your news media and instead of picking a side, your heart broke because you saw the devastation of sin that's hit this world? You see, the Holy Spirit wants to flourish in the soil of your heart. But it's not going to happen if you shut off the water source. You neglect him. Water not only softens the soil of the heart, but water also water also softens the clay, softens the clay. Turn over with me to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. Now, I might could be accused of taking liberties with the Scripture here. So I'm going to say this, for anyone who is critical of the point I'm about to make. This is not the interpretation of this passage. But I'm going to make an application. Everybody clear? I'm going to make an application about the Holy Spirit. I believe that what I'm going to say is doctrinally accurate. I don't think I'm stepping outside of the bounds and taking liberties with the Bible. But... This truth that I'm about to give isn't found directly here, all right? Look at verse number one. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, Romans, the book of Romans, you find this potter-clay analogy about the New Testament Christian. This was talking about the Israelites and their inability to let God break them down and make them up to what he wanted to be. And God uses the same analogy with me and you in the book of Romans. I want to show you about a minute and 45-minute uh, clip on the screen. And I want you to watch the process uh, uh, and, and how the water, the water plays such a critical role. Go ahead, roll that for me. There won't be any sound to it. Just watch it. You see how that in order to form that, he has to keep it wet he reaches down to get the water and he drips it back up on that clay. Now, God is the potter. And his hands mold the clay. What is the clay? The clay is me and you. And God wants to make us into exactly the unique thing that he has for us. Whether you're here tonight and you're three or you're 83, God has something specific he's trying to turn you into and he has his hands on your life and He'll rip out that which ought not be there uh, the the, uh, the the problems inside the clay the blemishes in the clay he'll take that out and that's a painful process sometimes but he's trying to break us down and remake us exactly into that which he wants us and you see this man continue to dip his hands in the water that water uh, is symbolized in the Holy Spirit and it is the Holy Spirit of God working hand in hand with God the Father to mold us and to shape us into exactly who he wants us to be the question tonight is this is it that god is not changing you into who he wants you to be because you're not letting him dip his hands in the water of the holy spirit and change you are you bucking are you resisting are you the dry clay are you the dry clay the man's getting ready to make the lid uh the lip uh, that the lid will sit in for that storage jar We are so oblivious, please listen to me on this, we are so oblivious to why things happen to us. Someone cuts us off in traffic and we're ready to cuss the person out in front of us. Things aren't in perfect order in our house and we're irate. Things don't go our way at work and we get frustrated. We get a negative report at the doctor's office or we wake up with a pain in our back or our knee or our kids have something go wrong and it just seems like nothing is going right. And Instead of stopping and saying, God, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to turn me into with this? What, are, what is the end game in mind? We buck and we push away and we fight. And God is saying, all right, you're not allowing me to dip my hands into the water of the Holy Spirit and shape you and form you and mold you. And God says, you are a hardened lump of clay. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to be dumped on you, then I can form you and shape you in exactly who I want you to be. We're so busy with our life and what we do is we come to God with the contract of our life. We do this on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, over a decade, over 20 years, over 50 years, over the life of our life, and we have the whole thing filled out, and we say, God, here's my name, here's everything I want to do, here's who I want to marry, here's where I want to retire, here's what I want to uh, accomplish, here's where I want to go to church, and God, if you would, just sign right down here. And God says, oh, oh, hold on a minute. How about this? How about you sign down here and give me the blank paper and let me write in? That's how it's supposed to work. Do you ask God what you're going to wear each day? Do you ask God what music it is he wants you to listen to? Do you ask God where it is you should work? Do you ask God what it is you should do with each and every Sunday of your life? Do do you go to God and say, God, here is my life. You make me who you want me to be. Holy Spirit of God, keep me soft. Keep me tender as the God of heaven reaches down into the clay and forms it and makes it and shapes me into his perfect will. Are we too busy writing in the details saying, God, your signature, please, your signature, please. My friend, it's time that we stop being hard-hearted with that hardened soil that is fruitless and flowerless and we stop being that hardened clay that God can do nothing with. And we say, God, You be, the, the Holy Spirit, You be that water that softens my heart and keeps me tender, not only to You, but keeps me tender toward others that You put in my path and and, and tender toward all those in the world that are hurting, those that are lost and without Jesus, those that are dying and going to hell. Lord, keep me tender holy spirit of god dump on me and keep my heart soft toward you number four we see that water sprouts water sprouts you think about a little seedling that's dropped in the earth and what if there's no water to be poured on that land boy it doesn't grow does it It just as a seed it dies in the earth and nothing happens look back at isaiah 44 in verse number three The Bible says, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. But look at verse 4. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. Now, verse 3, that word seed is talking about that part of the reproductive process that brings about another human into the a world, but that word "seed" there has a double meaning because it's liking the seed that brings about another human into the world to a seed that goes in the ground, and those uh, th- those children that are born are likened unto grass that grows, and and and, and that they're uh, the Bible says as willows by the watercourses, as willows by the watercourses. I can't help but think of Psalm one that talks about the man who uh, thir- uh, uh flourishes and thrives, he does so, why? Because he's planted by the rivers of water that bring forth much fruit. The rivers of water. Is your life planted by the river of the Holy Spirit as it rushes by and it gets the nutrients that it needs? It grows and it becomes this blooming and blossoming and pleasant plant. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. What does it look like? After the water of the Spirit has been allowed to pour all over us and pour all next to us and keep the soil of our heart rich and soft, what does that look like? And by the way, uh, 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 while you're turning there, let me just say that what we want in 2018 is we want what Galatians 5 tells us, but we want it now. Christian, the fruits of the Spirit are not available to be ordered off the McDonald's value menu. You don't walk up and say, Give me love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance. And I want it in ten minutes. This is something that is cultivated over time. It would be... It, it, look, if, 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 I, if you went out with a farmer, and the farmer said, Today we're going to plant seeds. And you said, Okay we got slide issues. We're working it. All right. You were to go out to the farmer and say, this farmer said, today we're going to put the seeds in the ground. He said, okay. And you went out and you spent all day planting the seeds. The next day you went out and you watered those seeds. And you got the irrigation system set up. You know what you do? You wouldn't show up the third day and say, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? I, I, I thought it was supposed to happen today. No, that fruit takes time. You begin to allow the Holy Spirit to pour on you like water and keep the soil of your heart soft and and nourished and and, and the process begins to take place. This little sprout begins to come out of the ground and that sprout turns into a small little tree and then uh, over time it becomes a full-blown blossoming tree and what we get is we get a tree that begins to put out fruit. Look at Galatians 5 verse 22. And boy, this is what the Christian life fulfilled looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Not lust, but love. Joy. Not happiness, but joy. Peace. Not distraction from problems, but peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Power under control. Temperance. Against such... There is no law. After months and years of allowing the Holy Spirit control of your life, you begin to love the unlovable. Do you have a family member in your life that's just not easy to love? You're not very good at loving them, are you? You know why? You haven't allowed the water of the Holy Spirit to pour over your soil of your heart long enough. If He does, you'll start loving them. How about joy? You get your spirit bent out of shape real easy. You come a point in your life where the whirlwinds of problems will be roaring around you. The joy of Jesus will just shine in your heart. You go down through each one of these. Any impatient people in here? Where the Holy Spirit begins to put patience and take away the impatience. The question is, are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to be that water that's poured all over you? Christian, tonight I want to ask you a question. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the power of God? Are you thirsty for the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God? Are you thirsty to give God control through His Holy Spirit and allow Him to cleanse you and sanctify you? To allow Him to... Satisfy that thirst. To allow Him to soften the soil and to soften the clay. And will you allow the Holy Spirit to sprout in you the fruits of His Spirit? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. Tonight, Christian, the Holy Spirit is symbolized by water through the Scriptures. Is that water flowing thoroughly through you? Are you filled? With the Spirit? Are you baptized in the Spirit? Is that water?